That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Hey, welcome to the latest edition of That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. Just a quick intro today because I want to get to a kind of lengthy and great conversation with Michael Smith about All-Star Weekend in New Orleans and his new show with Jamel Hill, The Six, the newest iteration of SportsCenter. Um, but I wanted to quickly touch on the All-Star game that just happened this past weekend. Um, and my favorite part of it, which was, I can almost guarantee, nobody else's favorite part was the skills challenge. It is a very random event. It's just dribbling and passing a ball and making a layup at a three. But I love the fact that for the second year in a row, a big man took down all the guards. And last year was sort of happenstance. It was Carl Anthony Towns talking his way in and then beating up on guys. But they decided it was a good sort of gimmick. And so this year they actually had the big men kind of face off and then the guards face off and in the end, you know, the, the final and Kristaps Porzingis of the Knicks wins it, which, by the way, is the first thing Spike Lee has had to cheer about all year and all Knicks fans in general. Um, but also, I just remember when I was growing up, I got so into watching Kevin Dur- uh, Garnett play, in part because he was a big man who had the skill set of a guard. Not as much as some of the dudes we see today, but at the time, it did feel very different from the traditional big man. And as a center who sometimes shot the three but had terrible handles and still do, I'm always amazed by um, the sort of fa- forward center types that can really ball like a guard. And Elena Deladon... Uh, one of my favorite basketball players of any gender because of that. 6'5", drains threes, runs the point, plays the center, can guard anyone. Um, and so props to Kristaps for – that rhymed. Props to Kristaps for holding it down for the big men and for once again proving that the most skilled players in the NBA are, of course – the giant seven-footers <laughs> loping down the court. Um, but the, the All-Star Weekend in general was kind of disappointing. I mean, I, I get into some of the gimmicky stuff, so I, I still think when you watch the dunks in slow-mo, it's unbelievable what they're doing. But it does take something away from it when it takes them three or four attempts every time and when it's guys that we don't know. But I think that at some point we were going to hit a limit of what can be done without props anymore. You know, the, the old-school guys did it. And if it's not going to be... The, the Jordans and the Neeks of the world, then what is going to make it interesting? And so maybe I guess it's a drone or a car or whatever else you got to pull out. Um, so the dunk contest wasn't the best, and the All-Star game itself was a super big joke, like unbelievable high scoring um, with some cool highlight plays that, you know, if you boiled it down to about 15 plays, that probably would have been enough. Um, but I did like the Sager Strong. And I don't know if you guys saw this part, but a bunch of celebs and NBA guys stepped up. A lot of them wearing their street clothes from just sitting courtside and watching. Some of them presumably had a few cocktails at dinner before they showed up to the event because they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But it was still cool. They started out raising about 130 grand. Um, some WNBA, NBA, and then celebs all shooting threes, 10,000 apiece for every shot they made in a minute. Um, to go to the Sager Strong Foundation in honor of Craig Sager. And then Steph Curry pressured to hit a half-court shot, the kind that we see him hit a thousand times. And he had like 10 opportunities and never nailed it. So instead of him earning that final 500000 for for the Sager Strong Foundation, Craig Sager's son actually got to make the final shot with, a, with an assist from Shaq lifting him up. So um, even though a lot of what went down this weekend was either cheesy or over the top or lacking, you know, basic defensive skills, um, there were some moments that stood out to me, and that was cool. 
Um, and Michael Smith is about to join us and have some cool stories from his experience, which included coaching the celebrity game. Um, so let's get to that conversation now. That's what she said. That's what she said. Happy now to welcome in Michael Smith, co-host of The Six, the newest iteration of SportsCenter. I'm sure you've seen the ads. I'm sure you've seen the publicity because these guys are blowing up. He joins Jamel Hill every weekday, 6 o'clock Eastern to host SportsCenter. Um, and you're coming off All-Star Weekend, so I want to start there before anything else. What was the best part of New Orleans for you? Oh, uh, the best part of New Orleans, honestly, just being there. It's home for me. Uh, it's where I grew up, um, where I went to high school, college, before I moved to Boston when I was 22. And uh, my family's still there. So it's just walking around and absorbing the energy of the city, um, a lot of love being shown, um, people that are that are proud. So, it, you know, it's like you going to Chicago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Being there, it, it wasn't quite the Cubs winning the World Series, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's you going to Chicago. So um, that was probably the best part um, in terms of the uh, the events. Um, I didn't really – you weren't there, Sarah. I didn't have my main party road know, dog right? with me. So I didn't really hang out and paint the town at night as much. The traffic was insane. That was the worst part. Um, So no Chappelle uh, party for you? I'm sorry? No Chappelle party for you? I couldn't couldn't swing it. I couldn't swing it. That's the big one that we're hearing about now. That's the one that everyone's saying, oh, so crazy. No chance the rapper did like 15 minutes and a bunch of other people showed up. Well, there's a lot of them that people are saying was crazy, Uh, whether it was Jordan, um, Chance at, at Chappelle, the joke joint. There was um, there was uh, Kenny Smith, which is always a blast. Um, the Roots at GQ, but honestly, like I disappoint you, but I didn't. I don't. I don't have great party stories from this weekend. You know, so I just really, you, I, I really laid low and and showed with my family and my friends and and did uh, did All Star Saturday night and I left on Sunday. But it was it was a nice time nonetheless. You know. Do you think that that's because you were home and you wanted to spend that time with friends and family, or do you think that there's a part of you that now because with each like ratcheting up of your responsibilities at the company, like when you go to events like this, you've got to be more about the, the work than about the fun. It's a good, it's a combination of the two um, because it's not like I'm just there and I'm kicking it. I had a lot of work responsibilities, but look, that's not an excuse for everybody because some of our colleagues, <clears throat> Jamel, uh, still <laughs> still went out until, right. you know, five, six o'clock in the morning. She, she can pull it like that. I don't have it like that anymore. I'm washed. I'm old and I'm washed. Well, so, um, I mean, you say that, but it was just a few months ago that you and I were at the ESPYs party till four something and had a six a.m. call. I did. I just didn't have it in me this time. But <laughs> yeah, okay. but a lot of it though was just wanting to to, to spend time with loved ones. Yeah. You know, my like I said, my mom, and my stepdad, my dad, and my my grandmother are all still there, and so you know, it it just was more it's more focused on that and work. But yeah, some of it was just exhausted from from work related. Uh, appearances and, and, and from, you know, frankly, from getting my ass whipped on Saturday, on Friday night, excuse me, my team right. getting embarrassed, that kind of stung, you know, so I, it, it was hard for me to, to, uh, to, to, to sit down and shake that off for the rest of the weekend. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right. So the, the hometown thing's interesting to me because I know that there's not, there's a ton of sports that happens in Chicago, but a lot of ESPN stuff isn't in Chicago. So mm-hmm. you know, once a year when we've got our ESPNW mini summit here in Chicago, started last year, doing it again in May, like when all those people come in town, I feel like, all right, I, I get to show everyone around. This is my city. You got to be the hostess, yeah. 
So did that feel like it for you in New Orleans? Like not only was it some coworkers, but like the whole All-Star weekend. So you've probably got people of all sorts, you know, asking you for recommendations and you feel like you're yes. kind of the king of New Orleans. Yes, recommendations, tickets, you know, um, <laughs> all sorts of things. Yeah, it, 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 oh, it no. was. Oh, no, you have like cousins and stuff coming out of the good woodwork, like, hey, get me into Chappelle? Correct. Cousins <laughs> that I've never met. Like, and I, no, not even, not even cousins coming out of the woodwork. People that I was like, oh, I didn't know you were my cousin, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of that. And, uh, and Jamel even told me, she was like, it's in Detroit. Uh, no, NABJ is in Detroit. Uh, coming up next year, but if it's Detroit because the Pistons are going back downtown, if they get an All Star game, she said she learned her lesson from watching me that she is not going to allow family um, to just kind of dominate her weekend like that. And look, I don't mean to make it seem like I didn't have a good time. I had a good time. Uh, you know, ate, obviously ate good. You know, walking the streets, right. seeing people, shaking hands, kissing babies—that sort of thing was nice. But in terms of like the after hour spot. Old man Mike couldn't cut it, unfortunately. So just I was, I was whack. If you were there, I would have gone because you would have right. inspired me to go because of our Espy's experience. You know, right? I would have made you. I made. It, I would have made you be my party side piece. Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So I've been in New Orleans just once. I went there to do my like tailgating series, and I was by myself, and I had like a whole half a day to kill. And someone had told me to go to Port of Call and get a cheeseburger. Oh, you had a burger soon, right? And yep. I did. And is it a normal experience to go to Port of Call, have one monsoon, and then be so lit up that you're just wandering around talking to strangers for the rest of the day? Because that's what happened to me, and I am not a lightweight. And you had the per- that's the perfect New Orleans experience. Yes, that is the normal <laughs> experience. That is the ideal experience. So, yes. How long ago was this? Did you go? Uh, maybe like two years. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, a lot's happened in two years. Like, you got to go back. You know, you I gotta know. Go back, you gotta... I got to go back with friends, so I'm not just hanging out with strangers. I literally yeah. <laughs> was just talking to – I wandered down the streets of that Lafitte's Black Shop, the oldest bar in America, and mm-hmm. I just was, like, making friends with strangers because I was absolutely but that's New Orleans, though. That's, that's the city. We Like, <laughs> strangers are like family there. Like, it's not really strangers. It's not like New York. It is very – it is very welcoming. It's what makes it such a great event city. It's not the logistics. It's, it's the fact that everybody there is just so, you know – they welcome you with open arms. You, you, everybody, they all say, baby, you know, like everybody <laughs> yeah. just, you know, yeah, everybody's family member, everybody's distant relative came to visit. So it's, um, that, that's what it was supposed to be. Was you talking to strangers? Right. Right. So good. I did it right. And, and it was Mardi yeah, Gras right let's now. Do it again. Let's you and I do it again. We're going to go to like, yeah, uh, we need to go back. Jazz fest. Let's do jazz fest together. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Let's do sports center. The six on the road and I'll come and I'll be a correspondent. We'll, Done. well I think we actually, you know what? I don't want to speak out of turn. I do think we're going to Chicago for the Cubs opener. I nice. assume you're going to be there. Absolutely. So, you there know you go. It. That pressure will be on you to show us around. Oh, don't you worry. I can handle the pressure. I could do it. Um, yeah, so so the, it was Mardi Gras right now, too, right? So it, That was another the, thing that made it crazy. The traffic you know, was it terrible. Was, yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a mess. Did, did, you, did it feel like – have you been to a bunch of All-Star weekends? Did it feel notably different, the fact that it was a late – change in the venue from yes. North Carolina? This was my this is my third All Star weekend in New Orleans since Katrina, which I think I went oh six and I went a couple of years ago and then this one. And um yeah, this one was more of a headache because of Mardi Gras going on at the same time and the traffic and that sort of thing. So yeah. yeah. Uh that, that that was another reason why I kinda tapped out. I feel so ah, I feel so lame. I feel so <laughs> lame that I had to, that I tapped out on, on these parties. 
because I just, I just didn't have it, Sarah. I just didn't have it in me. You know. I guess I'm surprised. Like, who because goes I to New like... Orleans and doesn't stay out until the sun comes I know. up? Somebody that's uh, from somebody that's from New Orleans, right? Right. You know? Someone that's been there that's and done that. Yeah. 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 But I wonder, I was actually thinking, like, you guys have blown up so much. Like, you guys already had your own show, and you were big-time celebs, but all the publicity for The Six and all the build-up to it, like, your faces are everywhere. And it feels yeah. to me like even more than before, you can get into whatever you want, and you can, yes. like, you know, you're hobnobbing with tons of celebs. So was that notable to you, even in just the work stuff that you did? Do you feel like now when you're walking around – there's more and more people that are kind of like, ooh, Michael Smith, like, let me talk to you, let me get something from you, let me get your autograph, whatever. Wow, I mean, it's almost like you were there. I, I, just, <laughs> I just don't want this to come off the wrong way because it's everything I ever worked for and ever dreamed of. Um, but I, I cannot walk two steps down the street. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, but it was all love. It was all love because um, – you know, it was people just congratulating me, just appreciating, you know, what, uh, you know, what I've done to represent the city, where me and Jamel are, um, what we do, the product. And, it, you know, look, man, it's, it's stuff that I, I frankly, I appreciate it, especially at this time. You know, I mean, we're, go, we're going through a lot. It's a tra- It's different. Mm-hmm. It's different for us. It's different for the viewers. So it's nice to get the positive reinforcement. We get the people that say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what people say. I mean, like we're a subjective industry as in it matters what the viewers think of the show. And so right. the fact that there was so much love and support out there was really nice. However, it's really hard. Like I kind of, it was I, I, like even coaching a celebrity game, Sarah, like I'm not a celebrity. I don't consider myself a celebrity because I'm on television, but it actually felt like a celebrity walking down the street and right. being you know, stop every few seconds to take pictures and sign autographs or shake hands or whatever more than ever. And I feel like I've been home before I've been home, you know, for big events. I've been all over for big events, but you're right. The exposure, the commercial, the ad, like being everywhere has taken it to a different level for sure. But it, it, again, I don't want to complain about it because, you know, before I know it, nobody will, will give to, you know, what's about me. You know, nobody will care about me. Nobody will care about the six will be old news they'll be on to something else. So I'm trying to enjoy this this moment as best I can and appreciate and appreciate the support that's out there uh, before it, the moment is gone. So, but that's a really right. good question because that, that, that made it, that made the weekend even more kind of uh, intense, if you will. It's, it's not just being home, being with the family, the work obligations, just the general energy that comes with all the weekend, but also being a hometown guy in New Orleans. So. Right, and you gotta be on all the time. By the way, this feels therapeutic to talk to you. About Good, this. I'm glad you're talking through it. I mean, it's true though. You gotta be on all the time, and I feel like it is everything you've ever wanted. But with each little step that you take, and even I'm feeling now from just doing around the horn, which is much more visible, right? So I've been doing mm-hmm. stuff, but now that I'm on the horn regularly, no matter where I go, I could be in New York. I was just in New York for a weekend, and I had like ten different people stop me. And I was is like, right? oh, this is cool, right? This is awesome. Yeah. But then yeah. it makes you think, you play it forward, and you think, I now start to understand, even in this tiny way, what it's like to really be a star and why it's so unfair yeah. to expect them to always be on because it's exhausting, man. And so I would imagine when you're especially in a sport, because mostly I get recognized, the, obviously the most at like sporting events. And so if you're somewhere like All-Star Weekend where everyone there is a sports fan, like 
Correct. That's going to be a lot. And then, like, a, like my gotta... hotel is down the street from the Jumpman pop up shop, right? And so, <laughs> you know, people know that I'm like a somewhat of a sneakerhead, but it's like I'm right. right there in the midst. It's also it's not like it was any old convention. It is a sports event going on. So it's really yeah. it's really my space. But you just never want to like come off as like complaining about that, or you know, you're taking it for granted, or you don't appreciate it because it's like, look, ultimately. I didn't play a game. That's why I don't consider myself a celebrity. I didn't play a game. I'm not an actor, although I try to play it one on TV sometimes. <laughs> not an actor. Didn't play a game at a high level. I'm a regular dude that went to school, got a degree, uh, was a decent enough writer to transition to television, and now I get to talk about sports for a living. And so it's not ever something that I want to sit there and be like, oh, my goodness, again. Not, like, the fact that right. people, the, the most, this is, this is what we always got to remind ourselves. The most valuable um, resource and commodity that people have is time. It's not money. So that people invest their time in watching you on around the corner, listening to your podcast, listening to you on the radio, or watching you on television, or watching the sex or before that his and hers. People that are willing to invest their time with us. That is the ultimate compliment. And so when those people, you know, again, want to take the time, they don't. They don't know about the ten people that preceded them a block right. away. They just know, like, yo, I'm a fan. And so you, I just never, yes, always have to be on and never want to turn anybody away or ever feel like I can't give somebody my time because they're giving it to me. So if they're giving yeah, it to me absolutely. for an hour every day, how can I not give them two, three minutes of a polite conversation, appreciative, sincerely appreciative conversation, and take a picture with them? However, this weekend in New Orleans, it made for a 25-minute walk into a 55-minute walk. You've got to plan ahead or bring yeah. a disguise if you got to yeah. get somewhere fast. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the celebrity game, um, which, listen, it's, it's a silly, fun thing, but there is something pretty cool about being co-coaches with Draymond and having dudes like Mark Cuban and Baron Davis be dudes that have to answer to you. You got Master P that you get to boss around. No, it was what no, was... it was not cool. No, actually, it was not cool. It was it was not it was not fun at all. Were people like difficult? To, other than getting like whooped, were people difficult about their minutes? Were people like yeah. not listening to you? Yeah, you know, you know, Cuban. Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, and so here's here's what's going on behind the scenes. So Draymond and Baron Davis are pranking Mark Cuban by subbing for him every two minutes, like putting him in and out the game. So they're trying to mess with Cuban, knowing that he's getting frustrated. So they're playing games with him. Because Raymond's the assistant coach, quote-unquote, when even before the game, he undermined me, the head coach, by starting Master P. I was going to start the WNBA MVP. I was going to start Neka Okumuke yeah. and Candace Parker. Yes. He was like, oh, it's Master P City. He should start. Master P barely terrible. warmed up, if anything. Yeah. And then proceeds to go out one, and shoot one for 11, 0 for 6 from 3. Yes, they were box scores. Statistics, <laughs> excuse me, being kept. Uh, Romeo Miller went 8 for 20. So apparently there was no limit on shots for the Miller family <laughs> when it came to the celebrity game. So Master P like, basically thinks he's Bill Russell. He's going to be a player coach. So he's deciding when he goes in, you know, Draymond's involved. Uh, Cuban's upset. Darren Davis not taking it seriously, except at halftime he gave a great speech. I thought it was really going to turn the team around. So, and, and then the whole time, I'm just trying to get everybody run. I'm just right. trying to get everybody some playing time because I didn't want people sitting on the bench watching because it's supposed to be fun. But right. the other team took it pretty damn seriously. And so now I'm in a position where it's like, okay, do I play the best players at the expense of everybody playing in order to try to make this a competitive game? Um, so I, I just couldn't win for losing. You know, it was just, but it was so dysfunctional. <laughs> Um, until, but fun, but, I hope. You know, look, 
it was not fun. It really wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't fun. The best part though was at the end was when uh, when the Jarius um, came up to me and was like, uh, "Put me in, coach." And I'm like, two minutes left. My like, cool, no doubt. Let's go. Let's put you in." And but here's the problem. And this is what people don't know is you know the NBA is very strict when it comes to who gets on the court. He wasn't on the roster. There was no waiver sign. And so they were like, after he takes a shot, he has to come off the court. I'm like, all right, cool. So they walked him out, took the shot, made for a great moment, viral moment. Yeah. So that was the highlight of the whole thing. That was the best coaching move I made. Other than that, right. disastrous. I had no, I had no control of my team. If it was a real, a real league, I would need to be fired because the locker room, the locker room needs to be going on. All right, so let me ask you a question. I know that at the six, you and Jamel played a big role in deciding like which parts of your team from his and hers would move with you to Sports Center. Um, and there were other people that were sort of like assigned to you that were part of it. But I personally, I don't like managing people. I mm-hmm. like part of the thing I like about my job is that I have co-hosts or producers or editors or people that I work with that's sort of a symbiotic relationship it's not really boss employee. It's like, we're working together to make something cool. I'm not in charge of anybody else. If they fail, they're not disappointing me so much because I, I don't have employees. I don't want employees. Do you think yeah. part of the reason that that wasn't fun for you is because you had to understand what it's like for an everyday person to be a manager of a bunch of unruly, disappointing people. That's spot on. People right? that I didn't know people that I didn't know. And I wasn't, like, I mean, I was familiar with them, and I knew some of them. I knew Anthony Mackey, you know, and I, it, but nobody else, for that matter, I've really had a close relationship with. I've, I've run into Cuban, like, you know, but it's not like we knew each other or whatever. So it's like not just, you know, managing. Hey, look, it's a, first of all, it's a celebrity game. <laughs> so it's right. like it's, just, it's supposed to be, it's not to be taken seriously, but everybody involved is somewhat competitive, and some people took it more seriously than others. But now it's that balance between, well, who's taking it seriously? Who's feeling flighted? Who's just, you know, joking around the whole time? And so me, just being the type of person that I am, I wanted everybody to be happy. Like, I didn't mind losing the game. That didn't bother me losing. You know, even though it's Tichamela, she's going to, like, you know, give it to me for as long as she can, which is probably the rest of our lives. But (laughs) it was more trying to you know, make sure everybody was getting playing time and was comfortable and enjoying themselves, not trying to get the MVP or trying to be the star of the game, you know, which I, which, so some people took it too seriously. It's like a it's real a balance of taking it seriously and of like and understanding it's just mm-hmm. supposed to be fun. And if you strike that balance, you can win that kind of game. But yeah, it, I did get a sense of what it's like to be a, a head coach uh, when you're on a, on a poorly constructed roster. You know, the only thing I was missing, I didn't, I didn't get a towel thrown in my face. Right, exactly. <laughs> but other than that, you, you I said, like yeah, the, the it Knicks was an interesting experience. <laughs> um, I said you felt like the Knicks or the Kings, like a wholly dysfunctional franchise. Yeah, of people yeah, that yeah. Or even just an office environment where everybody just everybody wants to be a boss. You know? Right. Um, so I saw that Jamel got a really cool shout-out from Izzo, Coach Izzo. Um, who were one or two of the coolest people that you heard from in the lead-up to the debut of the Six? Oh goodness! Yeah, I mean, it it literally shut down my phone. <laughs> yeah, I want it, you it, to it name shut down my I phone. Like, I mean, ones. I had to go the the Monday night of the of the show the, the, after the debut. I ended up at Verizon until eleven o'clock um, because For real? I'm so serious. And thank goodness the people in there were nice enough to stay because my Samsung crashed out because of the amount of text that I got, and so I had to get 
the information transferred and then get another phone. Long story short, I got so many seconds that it blew up my phone. Are you sure it wasn't um, just a Samsung and so it blew up? What did I? Are you sure it wasn't just because it was a Samsung? Oh, no, no, no. Up? It wasn't a Galaxy. No, it wasn't. It was, I mean, it's a Galaxy. It was the Note. Excuse me. The Note is the one at the airport asks you if you right. have in your right. bag. or the, No, I have the Galaxy S7. It's, I wonder so if that not... happens to, like, uh, Super Bowl people after they win. You would think the same thing, you know? Right. That's exactly right. No, you're right. So maybe it was something that was just wrong with my phone. Maybe I'm flattering myself because people say it all the time. <laughs> hey, I get, you know, I have a million text messages. So how come I, I didn't get that many? I didn't get as many as Brady got. Or, right. you know, somebody like that. So, um, anyway, yeah, I mean, the number of people, who are the coolest people? Oh, goodness. I mean, you know, it, I don't know. Barkley doesn't count anymore. He's everybody's best friend. No, um, but he's awesome still. It's, it's still He cool. is, but, I mean, it's not, like, exclusive, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not like, oh, Barkley called me. Like, probably called everybody. Probably called producers, <laughs> for all I know. Um, <laughs> I know at the, at the ESPYs when you and I were working side by side because Jamal had to leave for that town hall I've met him a couple of times but I didn't think he remembered me and he's like Sarah hey congrats on the wedding and I'm like how the hell does he really pays attention he, he pays attention and he watches he and he and he and he likes he likes a lot of people you know people yeah. know that he gives you know gives it to Skip Bayless or, or he talks about the people that he doesn't like but he likes a lot of our people um, I mean, he listens to Levitar show, so I'm sure he's heard a lot of you. He probably knows you better than you realize, you know. That's probably true. Yeah. So nobody so. else that stands out, though, because I think I, th- I think Izzo was, like, a really cool thing for Jamel because it was from when she was coming up and getting started, and, you know, that was one of her first kind of big reporting gigs. Well, anyway, well, I think I think she took her class. I think her best story is she took her class, and he taught it or something, uh, really? an, an intro to basketball or whatever the basketball strategy that class, was whatever class? was teaching that state. And he, yeah, it was a school. class that he taught. Come on, man. Yeah. So they go so they those two go way, way, way back. Um if I if I thought about it, I still got some text I haven't even returned yet. Uh, if I thought oh about goodness, it I would be able to come up with some more uh, I, it, it escapes me right now, but it was it was really the, the outpouring was really cool. It really was. So tell me about the first week or so of the show and Steve what Bishotti was... hit me up the other day. Oh nice. This is, I guess if I'm a name drop. Yeah. yeah, that was that was that was random. Yeah, he, he texted me. Um, um, so I don't know. Yeah, if what's the matters. first like week, <laughs> week or so been like for you? What was as expected and what was different about the transition? Yeah, about doing the six, about actually getting started after all that buildup. What was as expected? Well, as expected was the vibe between me and Jamel that 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 we've carried over seamlessly. What was it different? Okay, so you did his and hers a lot. Crushed mm-hmm. his and hers. Loved having you. Thank you. Member of the family. What was that staff? Five people? Mm-hmm. On, a, on a full day, five to six people? Yeah. We, we got 30 people working on this show. Wow. So a lot more voices in home, a lot more opinions, a lot more talented people. Um, but the magnitude of it is still sinking in. Because, you know, as you know, his and hers is this nice little startup, this nice little, you know, success story, you know, show that could, you know, we always just talk about, man, we don't get a whole lot of promotion, but we doing the thing, you know, the people that know, know, well, now we've gotten all the promotion that anybody could ever need for a lifetime. And so, but that's a part of being associated with the signature brand of the company, right? you know, like the magnitude of it and the amount of eyes and the amount of opinions, the, the amount of, uh, of uh, of 
people who have influence who are invested in it is just next level. And so, so tuning all of that out and just kind of focusing on just being the best Michael I could be and by extension the best Michael and Zanella we can be has been the most challenging part. Um, you know, I mean, the people, right, wonder, like, the, the people out there that think like, oh, you know, it, it still trips me out. Like when we, before we started, there were some people who actually, and I know you should ignore this kind of thing, but there were some people who actually perceived it as a demotion for us. It was like we were going from our own show to Sports Center, not right. knowing that it was going to be our Sports Center, it was still going to be our own show. But it's yeah. like there's no comparison between noon on E2 and 6 o'clock on E1 yeah. with with the theme, Sports Center theme song behind you. It is yeah. it is like like we're at the top of the mountain right now, and so as the saying goes, the wind is blowing really, really hard. Yeah, so there's the pressure that comes with everybody watching, and then there's also this feeling like for me, the I think the best work that I do is when I get really comfortable and I almost forget that I'm on TV or on the radio. No but doubt. Some of That's that what is risky. That's risky, though. Like, one of the last times I filled in for you guys on His and Hers, I went out with a bang by saying, God mm-hmm. damn, and then also mm-hmm. making a joke about getting a facial. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it I think that's hilarious. There wasn't no Sarah appearance if you did not make the, the Exactly. I have to make everybody behind the job. scenes sweat, for sure. Um, yeah. The show was over anyway, so no one was losing a job because of me. But I think, you know... <laughs> There is this feeling of, like, that's kind of stuff you can get away with on his and hers. It's not the end of the world, but you do it on the 6th, and everyone's talking about it. Now you're on Awful Announcing and Deadspin and whatever else. It's exciting to have stakes that are higher, but how do you balance the idea of you and Jamel are friends, and you're the same people who shoot the shit and swear and do whatever, and then you turn on the lights, and now you got to keep that chemistry, but make sure you remember that you're still doing SportsCenter? I try not to think about it, and I try to be the same person, but I'm... The truth is, we're not all the way ourselves yet. A lot of it has more to do with the space, the set. I mean, the set is so many more moving parts than the old set. Did. The old set was, you know, uh, you know, it's two cameras. You know, you're, you're one shot in a gym. You want to look at anything mm-hmm. else. Uh, now it's eight different cameras and three different sets in, in, in Studio X. Um, but in terms of the stakes and, and what's at stake and, and who's watching and, and the downside of certain things, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to censor myself. I'm not going to say things differently uh, to appease certain people or avoid certain topics to avoid, you know, pissing other people off. But in terms of just, like, okay, prime example is some of the things that we have discussed about putting in the Going Too Much Countdown. We have more conservative producers. It's a more conservative right. space. So a lot of the, put it this way, a lot of the innuendo that you just referenced that we used to make, not as deftly as you did, but that we used to make, <laughs> probably would be frowned upon on the front end. Once the light comes on, we all got to, you know, deal with the consequences. But I'm talking about some of the topics that would lend itself to those jokes. Right. You know, some of the things that we would put in the show intentionally are now being like, Ugh, I don't know about that. You know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's a balance in that because we don't want to lose what made us and what makes us unique and special. We don't want to stop being our authentic selves. But it is a little more buttoned up. But to their credit, they're not trying to change us. It's just they're adjusting to having us. Right. You know, they're adjusting to having personalities like they've never had at Sports Center. And that's no disrespect to anybody else that ever hosts Sports Center. And not to say that they lack personality, but it, the shows weren't built on their personality. The shows were right. built on the information, the highlights, the interviews, and the stars that Sports Center has produced over the years have managed to inject their personality whereas with us it's all about us and so that's an adjustment for all parties involved 
Do you have anyone on your staff that was working the SVP version of, of SportsCenter? Because I would imagine they would have some thoughts on the on the transition and how to make the show catered to personalities. Yeah, well, mostly on the higher upside. Uh, yeah, was on the SVP. Rob Kings of the um, world. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether it's Rob, McQuaid, and obviously Scott Clark. I mean, they've, they've all got experience when it comes to launching that. And, you know, it, it's been the model, but, but even still, Scott's different. A, he's a different guy, but also... Right. Hit the time of day, like he's doing more highlights because he's on his eleven. Like right. the people that the people it, we we laugh every day at what we call highlight hive. The people that ask us, "How come you don't play highlights? Highlight for what? Like what highlights <laughs> do you want at six o'clock? You right. know, it's like what what actually happened during the day that we show you? So you mean the highlights from the All Star game the night before? So it's just it's also a unique space that lends itself to more conversation. And so a lot of it is just them putting us in the best position to have the best conversation, which they're fully committed to. Like yeah. there's not, there's, there hasn't been as much, Oh, this is sports center. You got to do things differently as I thought. No, it's been complete. Hey, put your stamp on the show. That's awesome. It um, has been. You, it really has been. It's been a pleasant surprise in that regard. You guys were recently on Richard Deitch's podcast and I highly recommend anyone who hasn't listened to that to listen to it. Um, and, and it was interesting. Deitch was talking about you guys, have been, you know, filling out your staff at the new show and, and some of the higher-ups that are women and women of color and really getting into Jamel, how proud she is that, that that happens. And you kind of waited patiently for Jamel to answer, and then you said, hey, I, I want you to ask questions like that of me as well because we can't constantly have it be up to women to be the ones that have to pull people up or, or talk about how important it is to have a diversity of voices. And I love that conversation, particularly because I do feel like you and Jamel make such a priority of like looking around and seeing where there isn't a pipeline and then trying to be that, whether it's for people of color, women, women in general. Um, and, and how has that sort of manifested itself on the new show? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a prime example is, um, you know, I look at the, the higher ups for our staff. I mean, we've had, um, we have Jasmine Alexander, uh, who was pro in Philadelphia Inquirer. She's a show producer. Um, you know, we have Talia, we brought over from his and hers. So we have a very, very diverse, uh, she's another woman of color. We have a very, very diverse staff in terms of men of color, women of color, um, you know, we have white guys, we have white white women, we have everybody on the show. It's, it's just a, it's a spectrum, and it, it's helped when it comes to a lot of the perspectives, a lot of the ideas, uh, and just really like like I said to somebody else. I don't think I said it's my Dice's podcast, but you, you hate to re- reduce a conversation about the staff to diversity because it suggests right. that somehow we're looking going out of our way to put diverse people in these positions. Really, we're just looking for the most talented people. We feel like we have as talented a group of people on our staff as anybody, and it happens to reflect the diversity that is our society. It's more, it, it's, so it's, I guess what I'm trying to say, Sarah, is you're conscious of it, but it's got to be more coincidental. So when, right. when you open your, open your mind and you look at the, across the board, you know, it's like, I remember, you know, uh, this is when Jamel and I first met, we were hanging out in Miami. And she was like, uh, at news cafe. And the guy walked up to her and said, you know, for a woman, you really know your sports. I was like, why Mm -hmm. for a woman? Why do you have to qualify? Same applies to you. Same applies to anybody else. Like stop saying, well, we need a woman 
we need a black guy. We need a we need a black woman. We need no. It's just you need the best people. And if you open your mind to everybody and open your eyes to everybody, you're going to probably end up if you're if you're being completely, you know, uh, open and transparent with the process, you're probably going to end up with a diverse group of people. You know, there's no there's no correlation between somebody's color or somebody's gender and their ability. You know, so. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but it's like we try no, to just does. put the best people around us, you know. Well, and it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting uh, demarcation of, of understanding that it's not the it's not the seeking out of diversity, but if you don't understand that the pipeline doesn't as easily exist for some groups, then you will end up with a bunch of white dudes, right? And that's Correct. not because yes. you know you have to sometimes consciously go looking outside of the pool that naturally presents itself and then not yes. hire them just because they're there, but realize that you will probably find the best people. Yes. Uh, but you yes. first have Absolutely. to know that they're not going to be waiting for you. Absolutely. I mean, like, because then you say, well, if that's the case, how come there is such a lack of diversity in a lot of positions of, of management in particular? I mean, we're great, you know, um, you know, mostly on-camera representation. We still have some work that is behind the camera. We're good in that area, too, but we can use some improvement. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's like, why you why you sitting up with a lot of white guys, a lot of white men making these kind of decisions? You have to you have to make the effort, but usually that effort will yield positive results in terms of the the caliber of people that you're able to assemble. So, um, but I, I just going back to the Dice podcast conversation, I just get tired of people narrowing it down to um, women to fight the battle as if it is only important to women. You know, it's just, it happens, especially with domestic violence. Well, well, Sarah, you know, this is obviously a conversation that's near and dear to your heart. Well, why is it right. only near and dear to Sarah's heart? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it should be to all of us. You know, well, like the, the desire to have with... the Sarah Paynes and the Kate Sagan on his and hers was not just Jamel saying, hey, I, I want them on. And me saying, okay, whatever. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm in this too. We're all in this in this fight. And, not, and again, it's not just a fight because it's somehow we're trying to do you some kind of favor. Like people like you deserve the opportunity because you're damn good at it. You know, and, and you prove that over and over. So it's like, it's not about like, oh, you know, we discovered somebody else or, 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 or we gave a handout to, to Sarah Spain. It's like, no, idiot. If you put <laughs> this woman on TV, look what happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, not, it's not even like, it doesn't even deserve that much credit. It's so obvious now, you know. Well, it reminds me of, um, of you know, race issues as well it's the expectation if if we only expect you know african americans to speak up about issues then then you disregard the impact of white allies and unfortunately a lot of times it is necessary for the people in power whatever that power is whether that's white old dudes in the in the the higher you know positions at espn or whether that's white people in our country if if they don't have the responsibility also of trying to you know, lead the way, then we end up with the most disenfranchised voices trying to make a big change without the help of those that are in the power to actually change it. Well, and people tune that out, quite honestly. Right. You know, I mean, you know, people people get tired of. There are some people it who, from you, absolutely. Well, people there are some people who ignore me and Jamal talking about race at this point. They just don't want to hear it, and they feel like we're coming at it from only one perspective. And you know. Look, those people that I'm talking about just don't want to hear race conversations, honest race conversations in general, so it doesn't matter who's having them. But when you have, you know, white men and women taking up the call for color or, you know, like we were talking about a second ago, if you have men 
talking about passionately and, and intelligently about issues of gender equity and domestic violence and so on and so forth, then it, 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 it strikes a different level of chord than it does if, hey, okay, we're about to discuss domestic violence. Let's have Kate Fagan, Jay McManus, Jamel right. Hill, and Sarah Spain on. You're going to have some, some dudes out there that's just not going to want to hear because they don't feel like the male perspective is represented. Whatever the hell that is, like whatever perspective allows for, you know, gender inequality and inequity and domestic abuse. I don't know what perspective that is, but there are some dudes out there that kind of feel like that perspective is necessary to be represented. I guess the perspective of, well, she started it type BS, (laughs) whatever. The bottom line is if you're ever going to get to certain people, you have to have other guys saying, no, this is not acceptable. Sometimes they have to hear from someone that looks like them as bad as that sounds, but sometimes that's the case. You guys talked about with Deitch also sort of the politicization of everything that like, there is no issue left that people disagree on that we haven't made a political issue, even if it has nothing to do with politics. And the new show, you know, there's little mentions that people, you know, you say stuff like for the culture, or, you know, you say that the, you know, the Falcons were acting on behalf of, you know, anybody who's sort of anti the current administration and they and they lost and they failed everyone and whatever, like these little mentions. Um, but when big stories come up like Kaepernick or even crossovers between the Trump administration and sports, um, you guys seem to feel pretty empowered to speak truthfully and honestly about it um, without reservations in a way that I think some other people at the company might not feel. And I think the way that you guys have talked about it, it makes so much sense. It's not about saying we have more left leaning, liberal leaning positions as it is. Um, you're defending the content of what you're saying in terms of it being an inclusive company and in terms of it being knowledgeable and nuanced and spoken from a place of curiosity and interest in discussion. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's important. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's so, and, and I know you get it, and we know that there are people who get it and appreciate it. It's just the ones who don't tend to be so loud at times, you know, and tend to be so and tend to take things and make them into something that they are not. You know what I mean? Like when I said, you know, I was rooting for the Falcons to do it for the culture. I mean, like I think at this point, you know, we know what the parlance, what the slang means for the culture. I'm talking right. about, you know, for the the two chains of the world, ushers of the world, that the hip hop culture that is Atlanta, the African American culture that is primarily represents Atlanta when it comes to the that sports space. So for the culture, it's not meant to offend someone else's culture and for the resistance. Yeah. Well, that's more yep. political in that, right. you know, there was a Trump Patriot connection, not saying that all of the Patriots were, you know, Donald Trump supporters, but the brain trust, the, the, you know, the owner, the coach, the quarterback have a connection enough to what it that the knowledge you ball. It doesn't mean you were against them, but they they were they were there was a connection there, you know. Right. So that was taken way more seriously than it needed to be taken, you know what I mean? Um, because if, if anybody's appreciated and rooted and supported the Patriots over the years, it's me. Uh, but that said, um, in general, yeah, I think it's about the nuance. I think it's about the substance of the conversation. But I think too often, Quite honestly, we're viewed and looked at because of how we look as being anti when that's not what we're doing. You know, we're not trying to divide. We're not trying to to uh, to demean anybody else. We're speaking honestly and truthfully because we feel like we're on the side of right. right. And people are like, well, so you mean if you don't 
if we don't agree with you, we're wrong. It's not that you don't agree with me, you're wrong. It's that you're wrong. Right, and that's the part about what Jamel said that I thought was so interesting. I think she said it in an interview with the, I guess it's not the ombudsman anymore, whatever the new name of the ESPN, oh, or yeah. whatever, um, is that she said she doesn't feel like people on the opposing side are that worried about not being allowed to say something. It's that they know what they're saying is wrong, you know, like that they they are aware that they will get pushback and not because they're saying their their opinion, but because what they're saying is very often divisive and doesn't fit in with the policy of our company. And that's why right. it frustrates me when people try to equate anyone speaking out about not agreeing with like Betsy DeVos as, you know, secretary of education or thinking that, you know, it's a bad idea to have the guy who's running the EPA think it shouldn't exist like that kind of stuff. And then trying to compare that to what got Kurt Schilling fired which was Correct. openly rooting for certain religious groups to be blown up or saying that right. Hillary Clinton should be buried. You know, there's right. a big difference between uniting and dividing and what that means for a company when you are f- representing them. Right. And again, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, 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 the passing remark about, you know, the culture and the resistance. Like, you know, simply saying, you know, in terms of the culture, like not, it's not a racist view. It's a hey, you know, look at all the different rappers on the sideline. Look at all the different people who support the Falcons. Look at look at the fact that they have never won a Super Bowl. Look at the fact that, you know, it's just it's just what they represented. That's not a negative. And, and I'm glad you, you seem to understand what I meant by that, you know. Well, so. yeah, I mean, it's also just look at us. Like, white is not the default. So to be able yeah. to say that we are represented in places that we are not used to seeing ourselves represented is important. And pointing it out is not to the detriment of anyone else. It's just to say, look, awesome. Yeah, or, and look what would come of that. Like, look, look, what the, look what the celebration would look like. Like, right. look at what how, how, you know, like the kids say, look how turned up Atlanta would be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, if they right. actually won the Super Bowl. Look at the party that would ensue, like the records that would be released. It would just be Man. a different level of, of celebration than we've again. seen. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, like it or not, there was an association, you know, with the current president right. and that team. It doesn't mean that you're not happy to see Tom Brady pull up an epic comeback. Just means like, hey, you know, the other the other side represented John Lewis. <laughs> you, you know, the <laughs> right, big, exactly. So it's cool. We're gonna get a Lee Greenwood Patriots victory song, and that's what we've all been waiting for. So it's all good. <laughs> um, before I let you go, we got one more yeah. thing. Didn't expect the kind of Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. That's right, the Spanish Inquisition, the same questions that I ask all my guests. Number one, what's a natural talent you'd like to be gifted with? A natural talent that I'd be gifted with? I wish I could dance. I've seen you try. Thank you. See? you see me try. <laughs> exactly. With, with the time. Uh, I wish number I could two, dance. What's your Desert Island album? You could only have one. Desert Island album. Bob Marley, Babylon by Bus. Mm. Bob Marley, Wales, Babylon by Bus. Good for an island, for sure. Yeah. Uh, number three, if you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? For a day? Mm-hmm. If I could switch lives with somebody for a day, who would it be? Ooh, it's a tough one, because I love my life. <laughs> um, just for a day. You get to go just back. Just for a day? 
just for a day, I wouldn't mind being Jamie Foxx. Interesting. And the reason I say that is he's, I think, he's, he's the most talented dude in the, in the entertainment industry. So I like to know what it's like to be that talented. Yeah. Be able to sing, be able to create the way he does, being able to act the way he does, tell jokes, just be able to do it all. Yeah, for sure. I met him once. He's very small, smaller than I thought. But that's like everybody in Hollywood. That's pretty much what my life was like in L.A. Uh, number four, what's the most scared you've ever been? Um, the most scared that I've ever been? Okay, I'll tell you. It's, it's a little bit of a story. Okay. Um, at the time, I had two kids. My second child um, is my son, Mason. And we were leaving church. And he, had, he was he was a relatively newborn, like a few months old or whatever. So he's in a car seat in church. Uh, you know, you take him out. People hold him, this, that, and the other. So we put him in the car seat. We were going to brunch after church. I did not strap him in. I thought I did. I did not. So when we got there, I pulled out the car seat, and I held it by the top and kind of, you know, tipped it forward. Mm-hmm. And he fell forward face first onto mm-hmm. the concrete. Oh, no. on, the, on, the, on the street. And I've never heard my wife scream like that before. Never heard anybody scream like that before. I've never been so terrified in my life. Thank God he's okay. No long-term damage. He had a slight ping-pong fracture. But he didn't, you know, nothing's wrong with him, survived it. Right. That's but scary, it was just man. one of those things that I could still see him even talking about. I can see him going forward out of the car seat and falling. I mean, it's about like a three-month-old baby. I think it was August. He was born in May. Maybe a two, three-month-old baby. Yeah, and I just always worried, even as he was growing up, I always worried that some kind of like long-term effects would manifest itself. And I just have always felt like this guilt about doing about that because then I tell parents, especially new parents all the time, make sure you strap your kid in your car seat. Double, triple check that. Because right. you get in a rush, you're in a hurry, you take stuff for granted, and you can learn the hard way. So... I feel like I eventually know, you asked and you asked and I got yeah. that's where I went. No, that's, that's good. I feel like eventually um, parents kind of settle in, but initially it's got to be absolutely terrifying. I remember when I just got my puppy that I was like holding him and I could feel his heartbeat and I was like, oh no, I'm in charge of this. Like if anything yeah. goes wrong, it's my fault. And that yep. was a dog. Like I can't imagine the early stages of having kids and like. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, I just felt like an idiot. I mean, it was just right? negligence, but. You know, living, you learn, and thankfully it wasn't yep. worse. So, yeah, I've never He's been good, more afraid in that is... ambulance ride to the hospital. I bet. And, you know, yeah, I yeah. Um, so. Number five, what habit or quality do you think has contributed most to your success? Um, I would say unselfishness, almost to a fault. Sometimes I frustrate myself with my desire to accommodate, but unselfishness, you know, in terms of That's just willing to um step back and, and let somebody else shine or let somebody else um take the lead or do the best I can to bring I, I think I, I do a pretty good job of bringing the best out of people that I work with on, yeah, and on camera and product camera. which is more important than yeah you yeah uh yeah, number so. six what's about, what's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve I wish I had um wish I had more patience very impatient. I want Rome to be built in a day, and it's really testing it right now with six. Because I know the six yeah. has so far to go. I know we can do so much better, but I'm impatient. I want it. I want to figure it out today. I want it done now. You know, 
I don't. I, I wish I trusted the process more. Right. <laughs> Got to get in on that Sixers plan, man. Give it, give exactly. it eight, ten, twenty-five years. Uh, and finally, number seven. What three words would you most hope people use to describe you? Three words that I would most hope that people use to describe me: uh, generous, um, um, committed, and loyal. Those are very yeah. good. Those yeah. are good ones. Yeah. Generous, committed, and loyal. Good yeah. for a husband. Good for a show host. <laughs> I, can I, before I go, can I tell you thank you for having me on? Uh, you know, yeah. you know, I think the world of you, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not exactly the most interesting man in the world, let alone at ESPN. And so oh, I, it really, I, I really got excited when when you asked me to come on. I was like, oh, cool! Like, you know, love to love to do it. So I, I hope I hope I didn't bore you, your listeners to death. No, although <laughs> I know. do know now that we need to get uh, the Michael Smith you know, running away from old man vibes plan in action, because once you just give in, it's over. Then you just, yeah. then, then I'm not even be able to pull you out on an ESPYs weekend. So we got to keep that. Yeah. I'll, make up, for, that. All right. I'll <laughs> make up for it down the road. <laughs> Thank you so much for making time for me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good luck and keep telling it. Oh, and another thing. Just a quickie that I saw on uh, one of my favorite topics, which is still the world champion Chicago Cubs, and they will be the World Series champions until November. So I'm just going to keep calling them that and harking on it. But uh, David Ross, Grandpa Rossi, last year around this time in spring training, we were starting to get the first dispatches from Joe Madden's crazy spring training tricks, whether that's you know pulling up an RV and wearing tie-dye and having a 70s dance party to bringing baby animals uh, you know, all the good stuff that we're going to just start to be getting out of Mesa right now. But around this time, Ross was being gifted with a scooter and a license plate on it that said Grandpa Rossi and, you know, all sorts of gifts for being the old man. And it was the start of his retirement tour. And he revealed in an interview with uh, For the Win on USA Today that he actually sent it to his grandma and she now rides the scooter around in Jacksonville. Uh, full on with the with the license plate still on it. Um, so I love that story, and I'm really looking forward to getting some more good stuff out of spring training. I will be there next week, so one more podcast next week heading into spring training, and then um, hopefully I'll come back the week later with some good stories and tales from uh, our annual party week in Mesa. So thanks for listening, and thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour with me.